0: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. D W group. Void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: It was a cold rainy night. Good rainy evening, night. Pittsburgh Steeler fans. Welcome to the Curtain Call Show. I'm... Jeffrey Benedict. I'm always here every week, along with my co-host, Shannon White. Shannon, how are you doing tonight? Doing awesome. Just
2: uh, excited to talk some Steelers football.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, we've been bringing you this series. We're coming closer and closer to the end, talking about the Steelers draft picks. This week, we're covering the Steelers sixth round pick, Connor Hayward, with Ryan Oblenis. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. Hey guys, thanks for having me on. Happy to be here. All right, so Connor Hayward started his career in Michigan State as a running back and in his second year actually led the team in attempts and yards. Uh what was what was his he's what was he like as a running back? What kind of what kind of running back are we talking about when when he was when he was the main guy?
3: Yeah, so What happened was, uh, you know, that year Michigan State also had another talented running back named LJ Scott, uh, who ended up getting injured. And so Hayward essentially took over, uh, you know, the running back one duties there and led the team in yards and attempts. And, you know, he was never really a running back who was going to, you know, break a long run. Um, You know, he was a bruiser in between the tackles. He's, we'll get more into this later, but he's a very versatile runner, um, strong not afraid of contact. He was, you know, he did what the team asked him to do and what the team needed him to do. He was, uh, you know, just a a, a Spartan uh, football player, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I know uh, leading up all the mock drafts and all the projections, uh, everybody was saying that, you know, Connor Hayward's coming to the Steelers. You know, sixth round, seventh round, which, you know, was prophetic. Um, but a lot of people said it was nepotism, but honestly, I'm very excited about having Hayward because not just because of the family genetics, uh, he is, as you said, he's so versatile. I think he could fill two to three spots on the depth chart at some positions and allow the stores to keep people at other positions, uh, where they need a little more depth. Now, he is projected, in my opinion, there maybe a tight end three, but he could be, you know, basically an H back at his size. But with his running back experience, they could take some of that pounding in short yardage and goal line situations off of Najee Harris because they've talked openly this week about trying to keep him from taking such a pounding and a heavy workload. Connor Hayward could easily do that as well as his back position duties. What kind of – is he got any kind of special teams experience?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Actually, um, he he uh, used to return kicks, too, for mm-hmm. Michigan State earlier on in his career. Um, but I think – you know, I don't see him doing that in the NFL. <laughs> <but> I, just, <laughs> I still see him being a valuable uh, special teams mm-hmm. asset for the Steelers. You know, he could – on the kickoff team or the kick return team or, you know, the punt team, um, you know, he – He's just kind of like a Swiss Army knife, like we said, he's not afraid of contact. He'll he'll be happy to run down there, make a tackle on special teams or to block, do whatever he needs to do uh, to get on the field. So I think, you know, you kind of hit the the nail on the head there. He, you know, played at a rough position in Michigan, kick, return, run back, uh, tight end, H back. He would... Uh, was the role that he kind of went to his senior year last year. Uh, the running back room was very crowded. Uh, they had Kenneth Walker the third come in mm-hmm. uh, from Wake Forest, and he kind of just lit the, the entire country on fire. So, um, you know, Hayward was able and willing to, uh, if I recall correctly, he it might have said it was even his idea that he approached the coaching staff for this uh, change to move to the HR mm-hmm. role. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure I was on a media call with him where he said that, um, and so he really thrived in that role. Um, you know, he was he, he's great at catching the ball, whether that be on the backfield or, you know, offline or inline or whatever he's doing, and, you know, he, he improved as a blocker throughout the year. I think that's still something, especially at the NFL level, he's going, if he is going to stick at tight end, that he's going to need to get a little bit better at. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, a lot of – What Hayward can do I think is going to be a benefit to other players on the team in general, and it will allow the Steelers to kind of have a little bit more roster flexibility when they're kind of down Mm -hmm. to their final 53.
1: I I wanted to talk about him returning kicks because the biggest thing with a kick returner, obviously, is speed, which Connor Hayward, you're not looking at Connor (laughs) Hayward even in his highlights and being like, that guy, that guy's (laughs) blowing everyone away with his speed, but also vision. Kick returners have to be able to process what's going on very quickly, find the holes, and get there quickly. Uh, does Connor Hayward have like really good vision for a football player? Is he has he shown that as a kick returner? Did he show that as a running back that he's just he he understands the flow, where to go? Is he that kind of a player?
3: He averaged around twenty-two uh, yards per kick return, so it was you know respectable. Uh, His vision as a running back was something that was sometimes called into questions by, you know, fans and stuff on social media. It it wasn't, um, you know, Michigan State also had a lot of injuries on their offensive line while he was a running back there. So it wasn't all on Hayward, but a lot of the times, um, you know, when he was in there, plays would get stuff for two-yard gains. And, you know, there'd be a whole joke about MSU's play calling when they'd go run for two (laughs) yards, run for two yards and complete pass. Um, but. So, you know, I I would say, you know, his vision isn't necessarily a strength, but I don't think it was a detriment, as some people might have pointed out. I think there were other factors that kind of were the reason why. But, um, you know, he I think he held his own as a running back, especially, you know, that year we were talking about in uh, 2018 where he had to kind of take on that running back role, uh, you know, as a lead back, and he had, you know, 529 yards and five touchdowns. So um, he's – yeah, I mean, in terms of vision, that's how I, I – I wouldn't say it was, like, you know, his greatest strength, but I also don't think it's something that is going to hold him back in
2: any way. Yeah, yeah, his daddy, Arnhead, uh, he wasn't known for his vision either. Uh, his main vision was, you know, as he trampled guys as he ran over the, them yeah. and, uh, you know, lowered the shoulder and, and lower the boom. But uh, his – one thing about him being a kick returner that, that stands out to me is – He's got hands. He's got really good hands and the the one touchdown catch in the bowl game was really beautiful. He you know, he showed athleticism and and body control to make that twist and uh leaving a touchdown catch. And so I I think that it, when you watched a lot of the highlights for Walker on a lot of his long runs, Hayward was the guy who got the kickout block. And then he celebrated and the teammates celebrated with him because he seems to be a real, um, a rah rah guy, a guy that gets his teammates fired up. Did you see a lot of that with Hayward?
3: Yeah, I think uh, you know too. Yeah, he's he, you know he's a guy who's going to get excited and and celebrate with you. He's not like I don't know if he's necessarily going to come into you know the Steelers locker room and be like a vocal leader right away. Mm-hmm. But you know one thing in particular that Mel Tucker, uh, you know Michigan State's head coach noticed right away was Hayward's leadership. Hayward actually uh, entered the transfer portal for a brief stint. He was thinking about leaving Michigan State, um, you know, in that 2019 season after he kind of lost his running back job to Elijah Collins. But uh, then he decided to come back in 2020. Mark Dantonio retired. Mel Tucker took over. They allowed Hayward to come back, and you know, um, right away, actually Hayward started that uh, 2020 season opener at running back. And you know, reason, Tucker said a reason why he liked Hayward so much is because of you know his leadership mm-hmm. and you mentioned how he would get the kick out block for for Walker and things like that that's another thing is that he's going to do all the dirty work in there to do whatever it takes for his team to win he's not really a guy who's looking to, to you know get his own stats or he's not a guy who has to be the playmaker I think he's a guy who will do what it takes and I think you know him Entering the transfer portal and, and you know having the humility to come back and say you know what no this is where I belong this is where I want to be I want to do whatever it takes to help my team I think that just kind of shows the character that that Hayward has.
1: Okay, I'm going to list the three traits right that that I'm that I'm very curious. I want you to to rank them, uh, in Cameron Hay K- or Connor Hayward's, uh, best, you know, in in order rank them in order for Connor Hayward is what's his best attribute. That would be running the ball, blocking, and catching the ball. Which, which do you, would, how would you rate them on him as a player?
3: I actually think his catching might be his best trait. Um, You know, you mentioned that play against Pittsburgh in the Peach Bowl where he was able to, you know, make an adjustment in the air, track the ball, catch it, come down with it. There's also, um, I don't know if you saw the highlight of him catching the ball and running over a guy in Nebraska, just trucking him. But, um, you know, most of the time when the ball is thrown at him, uh, you know, it's caught. He, there, he doesn't drop it often and he's able to get, uh, uh, you know, yards after the catch. So I'd say that, um, you know, running the ball is probably his second best trait. Obviously, he has the background as a running back and, um, you know, he's comfortable catching the ball and making things happen. And as I said, I think his blocking still needs to improve. So I'd probably rank that last for now. I don't think it's bad. I think he really improved, uh, throughout the year on it. And as we mentioned, you know, he had a couple of kickout blocks that sprang a lot of Walker's big runs last year too. It's not necessarily that he's, you know, a poor blocker. It's just that before his senior year, it's not something that he was asked to do a whole lot. Um, so, you know, I think that's obviously the area where he'll need to improve most in, but you, you know, all three of those traits, I think are what make him kind of a complete player. And, you know, he's kind of a tweener position wise or whatever you want to say for the NFL, but you know, all those different things that he can do, I think, is going to be really beneficial to the Steelers in the long run.
2: Yeah, their Steelers are having their mandatory mini camp uh, this week, and so they was running some two-minute drills. Now, the the reporters on site can only you know give us so much information, but one of them was talking about that he made a really nice one-handed dive of catch. I think Pickett, Kenny Pickett, who threw him the ball, and. Well, he, you know, said it was a really nice catch, but it sounds like he celebrated a little bit too much, because today he got the Donkey of the Week or Donkey of the Day T-shirt in honor of him uh, celebrating the two uh, catch during the two-minute yeah. drill, and uh, so he said he's a quick study and he says he won't make that mistake again, but it, that kind of goes back to his uh, rah-rah enthusiasm, his love of the game. That's something that all the Haywards have and it's infectious and it permeates through the whole team and you can't have too many of them guys, guys that are team first guys and, and uh, will do whatever is necessary. And, um, but when the one point the Steelers years ago um, had a running back, who returned kicks named Najee Davenport and he was a big old boy and he wasn't very fast, but they had very few options. And, so hopefully Hayward don't get stuck in that situation. Hopefully the stores have a lot better options this year, which you know I think they do. But yeah, I think they uh, do. Um, did uh, what do you think that it's how it's going to affect Connor having Cameron, having your big brother around? It's one thing if you make a mistake and you hear it from the coaches, but he's going to hear it from his big brother. And I don't, I don't, I think in ways that's a good thing, but it could be a bad thing.
3: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's obviously a, a pretty decent age gap between the two of them, but you can see their relationship and camaraderie is kind of, a you know, kind of a lot of that, that they're going to joke around with each other. But also, you know, when it comes to the football field, I think both guys are going to take things very seriously. And yeah, Cam, I've already read some stuff about you know, Cam calling out Connor for dropping a pass or something and, you know, at OTA, the rookie minicamp or whatever it was. And um, but, you know, I think. I think it'll be a good thing because having somebody like Cam for Connor to to lean on, somebody who's been in the NFL a long time not uh, and been with the same organization that you're with in a long time, he's going to be able to show you the ropes and he's going to be able to tell you what to do, what not to do. Obviously, they're playing different sides of the ball, different positions, so it's not all an apples to oranges comparison. Um, And, you know, maybe Cameron might who knows, try to be a little too hard on them just to prove a point, but um, I think overall, you know, I really don't think that's something that they can take for granted. I think that's a a really strong thing. That's a strong bond that those two are going to have. Uh, And, you know, the Steelers have several brothers on the team, right? So uh, it's Mm kind of like a whole uh, family dynamic on that team. And I think, you know, they're sure they're going to get on each other and call each other out, but they're also going to support each other and hold each other up. And I mean, it, it literally be a brotherhood on the team. So, I think that's, you know, not only a good thing for Connor and for Cam, but for the team as a whole. So I would say, yeah, that's, that's a pretty big positive.
1: One thing with uh, Cameron Hayward is he is well known as one of the, you know, one of the most approachable, one of the best Steelers with the media. He's always up for awards on interactions with the media. He's always doing charitable stuff in the community. His interactions with fans are, you know, incredible. Like, like, you cannot find a person in Pittsburgh to give a bad word about Cameron Hayward. Like you won't find a single person that will, is willing to say anything bad about him at all. Is Connor like that? Was he a person that, that was approachable to fans that was in, as a member of the media that was good to ask questions to uh, what was, what was he like in those situations?
3: Yeah. So a lot of my time covering the team was, you know, during COVID where most of the stuff was remote or we didn't have a lot of one-on-one access to him. But every, every time, you know, I was on a zoom call with, Connor or, you know, post game. And I was there in the media room. He was very, you know, open to talking to the media. He was very well spoken. He's very knowledgeable about the game. Um, you know, he is, like I said, he has leadership quality. His teammates all loved him. Um, he, yeah, you know, so I think they share some of those traits. You know, definitely my experience with Connor um, was that he was approachable. But again, you know, my experience the last few years have been a little bit different with him on the team with COVID and stuff. Uh, but still, yeah, you know, anytime. I was able to, you know, be in the room while he was speaking or even ask him a question on Zoom or in a press conference, whatever it was. He was always, you know, he would take the time to answer stuff thoroughly, um, you know, from me or other reporters. And he would always, you know, be available uh, for whatever, you know, was needed out of him. And, you know, I think he was the same way with the team as he was with the media. He's a very respectable kid. I think, you know, he's going to be really good for that locker room.
2: It's encouraging to hear, you know, your firsthand account of him because it, it matches up with what we've been hearing, you know, based on from any all evaluations uh, pre-draft and, and uh, since the Steelers selected him. Is there anything that uh, a story or, or a, a quality that he has that, that isn't common knowledge that, that, you know, people who uh, are close to, say, Michigan State, would would know that maybe we haven't heard, uh, because like I said, he seems like just a quality kid, a, a quality young man, athlete. Um, you know, even though some people say that he might go undrafted, you know, most of the I see was around the sixth round. But is there any quality or story that you can share about him that we might not have heard already?
3: I uh, I don't know if anything in particular comes to mind, but I would just go back to uh, his that that uh year in 2018 after that year in 2019 where he went back into the portal and uh he there were a lot of you know people saying that he quote quit on the team like fanned and stuff like that um which I didn't necessarily agree with you know that was very early early transfer portal days so I don't think people quite understood it wasn't quite as what it is now where everybody's entering it um but I think the fact that you know people had that mindset about him and he was still he was able to kind of put away all that noise and uh, return to the team and, you know, show humility that way and show that he was willing to come back and do whatever it took for the team to win, switch positions, whatever it took. I think, you know, that's just the kind of guy that he has. Uh, I don't have really a personal anecdote with him like that, but I think, you know, that kind of just shows the kind of guy he is.
1: Now He was used primarily as a tight end in his last year. And the Steelers have said they're they're planning on using him primarily as a tight end. That's where they see, I think the tight end Alfredo Roberts said the most value uh, they see from him is at the tight end position. Did he line up like on the line as an as an inline tight end much? And does his height, Matt, did, it, did his height show up like he's he's I think was six foot? Whereas most tight ends are six four or taller. Did that show up as a as a
3: negative for him as a tight end? So in 2021, MSU used him more as kind of an H back, where he would come in motion behind the line of scrimmage um, and kind of play off the line most of the time. Um, I don't think that his, you know, I, I do think that's a, a concern for him in the NFL if he is going to play, you know, inline tight end. Is he going to be able to hold up um, at that at his height? And uh, but I don't. You know, in the college game, it didn't really seem detrimental to him at all. As we talked about, he was able to go up and track balls in the end zone. He was able to run people over. He's not shying away from contact. He improved as a blocker throughout the year. He's, um, you know, he's looking for contact. He's not shying away from anything. So I do think, you know, going against NFL caliber athletes, especially if he's got to, you know, guard, you know, try to block a six foot five defensive end, who weighs 295 pounds or something. You know, yeah, it's it's going to be some growing pains for him there um but no and you know in the college game I I don't I didn't really see that as a detriment to him and his 2021 season was you know really honestly pretty damn good uh given that he had never played that position before Mm -hmm. um so he you know he came in and uh he did exactly what was asked for him he had something like 35 receptions and he also you know made the blocks he got the touchdowns he was doing everything that he possibly could just to help the team win and you know he did MSU was projected to win, like, I think the over-under was like four and a half games, five games for them. They were coming off with a two and five 2020 season, and they ended up going 11 and two with a Peach Bowl, um, you know, New Year's Six victory, and he was a big reason why that offense was so successful. So, um, yeah, he didn't, you know, play a whole lot on the line. Um, You know, he was coming in motion a lot, playing more of a H-back role than, than a, you know, normal tight end, but... Um, You know, I definitely think that's something that he can learn, and that's a position that he can thrive at. Yeah,
2: if they can use him out of the backfield some, uh, especially on short yardage like we was talking about earlier, Um he, he seems to block well on the move. And I think he would be better if he can get in his blocks against secondary players uh, or, or linebackers. Like you said, avoid the defensive linemen as much as possible due to his size limitations but um did he get very many opportunities during his time at running back uh in like short yardage at goal line situations that you remember
3: yeah i mean especially that that 2018 year where he was the lead running back you know he uh scored five touchdowns that year and they would you know he would usually be the lead back if they were in goal line sets or Mm. shotgun or single back whatever it would be um but yeah you know he was he would operate as pretty much the all-down back that year, so he definitely got some goal line touches, um, things like that. And you know, I do think I know that he's not really projecting to play fullback with Pittsburgh, but they could line him up there in goal line sets, or they could even line him up at halfback. You know, if they want to put some some weight onto the ball carrier there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely some. You know, again, it's going to be a little bit different in the NFL, where you know you got to defense with goal line and you got six guys on the line of scrimmage that weigh 300 plus pounds. But mm-hmm. um, I think he definitely, you know, again, that's just part of his versatility where he can do all of these areas, different things. So, if, you know, if Pittsburgh wanted to experiment something like that, I, I wouldn't be totally
2: shocked to see it.
1: Now I wanted, I want, we wanted to throw this in. We talked a little bit before the show uh, that you also cover the Jacksonville Jaguars. And the Steelers brought in a rather high-profile name from the Jacksonville Jaguars in Miles Jack. Can you really quick tell us uh, what happened to Miles Jack in Jacksonville, and and do you think he can have a, a bounce-back season uh, from from kind of slipping off of the track where that he started his career on?
3: Yeah, you know, I think Miles Jack overall, in my opinion, had a really solid career with Jacksonville. There. He definitely had some down moments, at some of the – Things the coaching staff tried to do with him, um, you know, they tried to make him a Mike linebacker for a little bit, and that just didn't work out because he's more of a, you know, weak side outside linebacker and things like that. You know, last year it, it's kind of hard to judge any player on the Jaguars given the Urban Meyer debacle because uh, <laughs> the players just, you know, they had no leadership, they had no coaching. Um, but you know, Jack, there were times where he was playing at an All Pro level for Jacksonville. Um, you know, I think that now going into, you know, a new team, a new scheme with Pittsburgh, um, you know, where he's got a, a solid coaching staff, um, you know, he definitely is going to have the, the opportunity there to to thrive again and to, you know, kind of bounce back from what he was doing. He, you know, he's still a very talented player. When Jacksonville drafted him, he was coming off of, a, uh, I believe it was a major knee injury. Um, but as a rookie, he ended up getting a lot of playing time and, uh, you know, ended up becoming a, a really reliable player for that team then in 2017 was the year the Jaguars made that uh, miraculous AFC uh, championship game run and you know Jack was a was a big part of that he you know the the old saying is miles jack wasn't down in that game against the patriots where he stripped the ball away and the rest blew the blew him dead um you know that was just an incredible <laughs> play and that's just kind of the flashes that you see from him and things that he can do um, you know he is a little bit older now. He's got some more tread on the tires, but I still think that you know I'm hoping that a change of scenery will be good for him. You know I'm rooting for him to do well there in Pittsburgh.
2: Was Jax? They're going to try to use him. I thought they was going to use him as the buck linebacker for the Steelers defense, but there was some talk today of that they're trying to going to try Devin Bush at. Uh, buck linebacker which i don't think either one of them is a true buck linebacker uh, um, jacks to me has mobility and he was always a uh, solid in coverage uh we don't need to rewind to that 2017 season because the jacksonville jaguars <laughs> beat the Steelers twice and, and jacks was a big yeah, part Pittsburgh, of that both <laughs> but he, he uh he was the thorn in the Steelers side that year that's for sure but um how did you think he held up against the run? Uh, Because I know Jacksonville used him in a couple of different roles through the year, but uh, how would you grade him as a run defender?
3: Yeah, I think, as you mentioned, I, I'd say he's more of a sideline-to-sideline side guy. He's not really a thumper, Um, but, you know, he – again, it, it kind of varied by year, his performance, you know, some – some years he was very strong playing at all pro level and, and some years you know he really took a dip and again some of it had to do with where the coaches were trying to use them and and things like that but for the most part yeah you know he was like as you mentioned relatively solid and pass coverage and he was relatively solid against the run too i would say that you know he, he was probably a little bit better defending the pass than coming up to stop the run um but you know it, again it was never I never saw anything as an issue with him, you know, in terms of defending the run or, um, you know, obviously it's when you're defending the pass, it's a lot easier to to kind of pinpoint plays where he got burned on or things like that. When you're looking at, you know, him coming up against the run. There's nothing in particular that comes to mind to me. Obviously he's good. You know, he missed a few gaps here and there and things like that, but um, yeah, you know, I think he should be solid there.
1: All right. Well, I want to thank you for coming on our show. Uh, if, if you Before we, you go, I want to give you a chance to plug uh, the different things you do and where people can can see your takes and, and see or read your articles. So go ahead and let people know where they can find you.
3: Yeah, so you can read uh, our stuff over at theonlycolors.com. That's the uh, Michigan State website for SB Nation, or bigcatcountry.com is where you'll find our Jaguars content. You can also find me on Twitter at – Ryan O'Bleness, R-Y-A-N-O-B-L-E-N-E-S-S. Uh, and, yeah, thank you for having me on, guys.
1: Hey, thank you for being on, man.
3: Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it.
1: All right. Shannon, we've had uh, – we're talking about Connor Hayward, and this is a question I want to ask you about Connor Hayward, because this this is one that I, I don't have a good answer for, right? When we look at, especially like to like the reports now out of OTAs, he had a touchdown catch with Kenny Pickett. He had like a a crazy one handed catch that people were cheering about. He had that third down conversion. Uh, One of the reporters referred to him as Kenny Pickett's go to guy. If he is, if he is that kind of a player, right, that is already showing that he's a guy who's going to make plays for his quarterback at, at catching the ball, right. Where, where does this guy have a chance to end up? You know, when you at the end of the season, when you look at the list of, of, of and you order the Steelers guys by catches, right? You look at the names here Deontay Johnson, Najee Harris was actually second in the team in receptions mm-hmm. last year. Mm-hmm. Pat Fryermuth was third. Chase Claypool fourth. You got some guys missing, but there's, there's George Pickens, Calvin Austin the third. Zach Gentry got into the reception game. We've got Gunnar Olszewski looking like he's something people are saying he, he like look out for him he actually gets separation he's actually better than you know people thought he'd be we've got miles boykin coming in where does connor hayward have a chance to actually make an impact on this offense as a pass catcher
2: i don't think we can really judge or try to project this year's offense at all because we've never seen it and and it's, it's going to be like night and day compared to last year's offense. It, it has to be, the, just with the amount of changes and that Man Canada actually does have a full allotment of weapons that fit his uh, schemes. So I, I'm expecting Hayward does it shock me that he's making these plays and, and all these reports are coming out because he's a competitor. Like we Mm -hmm. talked about, you know, any guy that's willing to do whatever is necessary on the football field has to have a strong competitive nature. And I don't care if it's mandatory minicamp, he's out there, I'm sure, going 110%. And he might be the reason they're wearing them guardian hats, you know, (laughs) just to protect them from Connor Hayward because he's probably going to get be a little rowdy out there, you know. Yeah. There's uh, two
1: Haywards on that field.
2: Exactly. you got to protect each other, you know, and, yeah, uh, you're not safe.
1: <laughs> Nobody's but, safe anymore.
2: But I think that, <laughs> that there's going to be so much. Um, the ball's going to be spread around. It, it's not going to just be force fed into Deontay Johnson because, you know, if that offensive line has improved, which we believe it has, and it will. And with the mobility of the quarterback where they can roll him out and they can do some misdirection stuff that they just could not do, there's going to be guys I think be far more involved and make more of an impact. Uh, and at first something that the, you know, we don't know who the start quarterback is going to be, yeah. you know, we're kind of assuming it's going to be Trubisky because of his experience, but you know, that's, we need to kind of find out who the start quarterback is going to be to make any kind of projections because there there's going to be, he's going to have a security blanket. You know, yeah. what if, if Hayward, it, you know, he, they just have so much faith in him, and 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 you know he's going to hit him on some plays that that are very effective. You know that could affect Derek what? Because to me, Hayward is more like the modern day fullback that is successful in the NFL. He to me he's more fullback slash H back than he is tight end. Obviously, so. He fits that profile of a weapon at fullback more than Derek Watt does. Of course, now Derrick Watt is excellent on special teams, so he has all extra value there. But I think Hayward's going to make an impact, um, it, it, you know, just because he can do so many different things. And I expect him to make a, a, a big play each game, you know, whether it's a kickout block or a special teams tackle or, or a big third down reception. So – uh, yeah, I do think that that even with all the talent they've acquired, that he can make an impact.
1: I I wanted to I wanted to bring up something that you you mentioned to our guest, and that was Connor Hayward getting the donkey T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which, if you haven't seen, people uh, I think it was <laughs> Brooks Pryor put it on a photo of him with uh-huh. holding it up on Twitter. Fantastic looking shirt. It says donkey, has a donkey on it. It's clearly in fun, but yeah that stands out to me as something as kind of a fun way to kind of curb behavior that we've seen uh-huh. be a problem in the game where you had, you know, Chase Claypool kind of celebrating a play where it was like, dude, no, get, get the ball, get back there, get lined up. Yeah. Uh, what, do, what do you think of the, the t-shirt with the donkey on it? Cause I'm, I'm kind of, I, I kind of love it. I, I'm a big fan of it. Uh, of doing that kind of things with a younger generation. I mean, there was, Music at practice. Clearly, this is not Ben Roethlisberger's Steelers anymore. Uh, But
2: but what do you think of that donkey shirt? Well, you know, like you said with the music and and all that, uh, it's just such a young team. I mean, they're really – there's hardly about two or three guys over 30. Everybody else is in their 20s. So, you know, I think Tomlin's going to adjust. I think all the coaches will adjust. And that – humility is never a bad thing confidence and, and you can be cocky if you if you're great you know and you've earned it you can be cocky but you still have to have humility you have to have the ability to laugh at yourself and yeah. you know so to to me that's just all in good fun and and it creates camaraderie and you know whoever the next guy is against the donkey shirt you know uh, he'll get ribbed on you know for that and and uh, hayward said that he he said he learned his lesson he won't go do yeah. that again but it's kind of like when uh, Magic Johnson Cream hit that shot his first game ever, and Cream hit a shot, and Magic was celebrating like it was, you know, they just won the championship. And Cream said, "Hey, calm down, rookie. You know, this is the first game." <laughs> yeah. You know, I think it's probably what Hayward did. Connor was probably really excited, you know, which you understand, making a big one-handed catch like that. But mm-hmm. uh, the 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 veterans, the guys who've been around a little while, they weren't going to let him forget it. But I think it's a great thing. I do,
1: I do too. I absolutely love it.
2: Now, talking about this offense,
1: we're getting word out. Pat Fryermuth looks improved. Najee Harris is bigger and stronger and looking just as fast, like people are sitting there thinking, Whoa, you know, Najee Harris could have a really big, you know, improvement from year one to year two, as crazy as it sounds with the with how good he played in his first year. Pat Fryermuth looks like he's gonna have a jump in his second season. Uh, Chase Claypool has been talking about taking things more seriously, about being more focused. You've got George Pickens out there making catches on the sideline. You've got you know Zach Gentry, who has developed and and gotten more involved in the team every single season. You've got a Connor Hayward out there making plays. You've got guys like Miles Boykin being brought in. This team seems like it has an incredible amount of weapons. And I I'd, I'd even bring up Calvin Austin III who might be like the fastest and also quickest player on this team.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And he's got ridiculous hands. He can run routes, he can do all that stuff. Is this is this just off-season hype or does this Steelers team actually have like a really loaded offense waiting for a like, like kind of like it's a loaded offense waiting for an offensive line and quarterback to come in and, and come together and kind of lead it?
2: At first glance, it definitely does. There's just more um, explosiveness in in the office now. With the guys they brought in, there's just more speed. There's more potential for, you know, chunk plays, stuff that just did not happen. Now, again, Najee Harris easily could add fourteen, fifteen hundred 1,500 yards last year behind an average offensive line. They didn't have Mm -hmm. an average offensive line. If the line isn't approved, that's going to be huge for Najee. If you've seen pictures of you talking about Firemeath, he was standing next to Najee Harris at, at uh, camp, and Harris looks bigger than Firemeath. And and I'm like, well, did Firemeath, you know, lose that much weight? But they said that he got cut. So he might have dropped some of some, you know, baby fat, let's say, at his age. And replace that with muscle, so even though his weight might not have changed or even went down a little bit, he's you know he's conceivably stronger and, yeah. and is functionally stronger, which will help him as a blocker and getting off the line. And when you consider all these weapons that you just rattled off, what could it do for him? Because they said early in camp, Trubisky is developing a rapport with Ferne. And we know that that tight end of his caliber can be a quarterback's best friend and, Mm -hmm. and especially learning the new system in a new location. So I think for is going to be a huge beneficiary of that.
1: Oh, man. Like I just, I get so excited. We had one of the things with Ben Roethlisberger that consistently came up even when he had Heath Miller, as good as the camaraderie was there, they were, I mean, best friends they were great together. Heath Miller and Ben Roethlisberger. Ben always was looking to throw down the field. He was always looking to go outside. And there's an argument to be made. He underutilized his tight ends, especially Heath Miller, because he was always going for those chunk plays. He was always looking down the field for bigger gains. Man, Pat Friermuth in an, in this offense with, with what he was able to do with Ben Roethlisberger last year, where he didn't even start at the beginning of the season. And he ended up third on the team in receptions with only Deontay Johnson and, and Najee Harris above him. Man, like the, the possibility, if he really gets going with a quarterback, really gets a camaraderie built with a quarterback, and the Steelers, let's say the run game actually gets going, right? Let's mm-hmm. let's preface this to say the offensive line is improved. The run game's doing better. They're doing more play action, more stuff like that. Man, the possibility for Pat Friermuth being – a pro or being mm-hmm. one of the top tight ends, being there behind, you know, a Travis Kelsey and only a few guys in impact on the field. It's there. It's really there. And it's, it's going to be really fascinating to see how this works out. Are, are you with me here? Do you think Pat Fryer moves? Where do, I, I think he could be kind of like the number two weapon on this team with the possibility of even, even overtaking and becoming the, like the guy. On this offense, I think Pat Frymuth has that upside, especially if the offense gets going with with play action and things like that that favor a tight end. Am I crazy, Shannon? Like, or do I need to reel this back in, or do you see that too?
2: No, I think it's very reasonable to to expect it. I mean, Najee Harris is going to he's going to be the bust. In other words, he's going yeah. to drive this thing, the offense. Uh, but Frymuth, as you said, Ben loved his receivers. Yeah. Miller was really, truly a security blanket because when Bill was in trouble and AB or Hines or whoever it was, wasn't open, then he looked for Miller next. Yeah. He it very seldom was Miller first option. Yeah. And it, that could be totally different now because any of these three quarterbacks could develop that and him be no, option number one. And last year, you know, we know Harris can is a good receiver out of the backfield. But it was a lot of check downs and, and stuff of that nature uh, just to get rid of the ball because, again, the offensive line performance. But Friar Muth has that opportunity to – to. I mean, he's got the best hands on the team. I'll say that right now. Now, we haven't yeah. seen enough of Pickens and, and any of these new guys, but but I cannot imagine him having better hands than Friar Muth. Yeah. He catches everything. He catches things he ain't even – you know, has no business catching, like that Mm -hmm. one touchdown against Cleveland.
1: Um,
2: So I'm like you, I can see him taking a huge leap into that upper epsilon of tight ends in the AFC. Um, And the way the offense, Lord willing, you know, more run oriented, but then working in all that play action and, and misdirection, I can see him just being a huge weapon. So his numbers might not be gaudy like say Kelsey's, yeah. But I think his impact could be just as big.
1: Yeah, man. I
2: I I'm just getting more and
1: more excited for this mm-hmm. season, especially like hearing how good Connor Hayward, like bringing it back to Connor Hayward, how good he's doing. Just brings up like there's gonna be there's gonna be times out there. We've talked about this before where the Steelers can put out a a, a four wide receiver set where your tight end is Pat Fryermuth, you've got Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, George Pickens, and Calvin Austin III. Like, how do you cover all that? Well, you go to, you put Najee Harris in there. That's not, you're not losing anything with Najee Harris in the backfield. You take out another receiver and you put in a Connor Hayward. Right now you're sitting there, if you're the other team sitting there saying, well, Connor Hayward's the guy we're going to cheat off of. Well, he's shown he can beat people with that. Like if he, if he can do, in the NFL, what he did in college, where he can be that guy where if you're not, if you're, if you're sloughing off him, if you're not paying enough attention to him, he's going to catch that ball turn run over a defensive back and, you know, next thing it's 20 yards down the field was Zach Gentry had had four or five plays like that last season. Mm-hmm. If Connor Hayward can be a more reliable version of Zach Gentry, right? Then you, you can go heavy sets, you could do two tight ends. Uh, with a fullback, a running back, and a wide receiver, and you really haven't lost much in in terms of threat. You've gained power, but you haven't lost much in terms of pass catching threat either. I love it. This offense looks like it's being going to be incredibly versatile. And, and man, I I can't wait to see what what uh, Matt Canada does with it all. I really can't wait. Uh, I, I don't I don't really have a question here. I'm just gushing on the Steelers. Uh,
2: w- what do you think, Shannon? God. Well, I don't know if you've seen the, the videos. You know, we only get little, you know, yeah, bits and pieces. But Zach Gentry is bigger. Mm-hmm. And he put on a good bit of weight last year. He's even bigger. But he was moving really fluidly. And at his height, and his size, again, you know, you know misdirection out, hit him in the flat. You know, he's not going to be no fun to tackle. You know, these yeah. guys are not going to want to come up and hit him. You know, you know, they're going to try to go low, of course, because he's going to attract somebody. But there's just so much. Uh, KT Smith wrote an article talking about how the Steelers can dictate in the bunch and in their different packages because they have so much variety and they have so yeah. much depth and all these skill position players. So if you come out with, you know, your little package, you know, and you got multiple quarterbacks out there, like you said, you you go with the two tight end. You know, use Hayward, use Gentry, uh, th- and you got mismatches all day. And then they've been talking about they call George Pickens Big George. I don't know if you've seen that this week. Yeah, so his nickname's Big George, which I don't know how creative that is, but <laughs> they say he is really a large dude. You know, he looks so slim, you know, mm-hmm. on, on But we the, he is he is really put together, and at six three uh again it's just gonna be with uh chase claypool and him and boykins if he makes the team there's just so much size there that they could just switch you know and if you go small they can go big and vice versa it could be a nightmare for the opposing defenses
1: okay i i've gotta i've gotta bring this up uh i know we're hitting the end of the show but andrew wilbar a fellow PTSC contributor came in and says, I still have too many bitter memories of Gentry blowing blocking assignments and dropping <laughs> passes at Michigan. Andrew and I lamented the draft pick of Zach Gentry. <laughs> and we're like, absolutely hated it. We're like, why? I'm a Michigan fan. He's a Michigan yeah. fan. We're both like, why? Why would you draft this guy? What are you going to do with him? He he was slow. You're You're like my opinion of him. My picture of him in the NFL was a guy tripping over his own feet, right? Like, <laughs> He couldn't get out of his own way. He was just huge. Like in yeah. college, yeah, you can get away with it when you're just freaking bigger than everyone else. And you're playing some team that doesn't have anyone over 6'2". And you can just throw it to Gentry and you can yeah. catch it up high. But this is the NFL. You can't get away with that. I, I really thought he was going to be like terrible. Terrible. I, it's it's absolutely impressive what he's done, how good he's become. Like I I, I can't get over it. It's It's crazy. Uh, we need to wrap up the show. So Shannon, let me send it to you. Tell everyone what you've got coming up, uh, coming up soon here on behind the seal curtain.
2: Well, uh, I've got another article I'm working on, but the one that posted today, um, is talking about Merle Hodge and how he did an interview on 93.7 And he was less than impressed with the Steelers inside linebacking uh, crew and and the depth and uh, particularly Devin Bush. So uh, he had some uh, opinions that I respect and, uh, but I, you know, I don't entirely agree with everything he said. So uh, check that article out. You know, I I give some um, reasoning why I think it's a little too early to, to cut bait, like he said, and, and uh, you know, let's let's hold out hope that he's gonna rebound. But uh uh other than that, that's that's all I got going on right at the moment.
1: I'm sorry, I keep <laughs> I keep needing my microphone because of, of different things. Sorry. Uh I've got an article coming out this week I'm excited about uh for the vertex. The uh Dave Schofield last week did I think it was last week, his stat geek was about Derek White and mm-hmm. how Derek Watt should be – his contract should be viewed as a special teams player and not as a fullback because that's what he primarily was. I listened to that, and I was like, you know what? We, I should do a film room on Derek Watt. I have been want to do something with special teams and, and cover what he brings on special teams. So that's what we did. The Vertex, this coming up uh, – I don't know when it's coming out this week, but it should be coming out at some point this week still. Uh, it's going to be on Derek Watt completely looking at his special teams – uh, took place from, from four different sets that he, play, that he plays in. Uh, so check that out. Check that out. We're, mm-hmm. we're talking about Connor Hayward, and a lot of people are saying, you know, Connor Hayward's going to take Derek Watt's spot as fullback. It's not going to happen. Derek Watt mm-hmm. is going to make this team. He's a special teams captain. He is valuable. Check that out and see, you know, why I say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also am working on a piece on Alex Highsmith. Uh, I talked yeah. about him in my in my cutting room floor show. Uh, and, and I want to back that up with some film, what I said about him on there. So make sure you check that out as always, check out all the podcasts on the behind the steel curtain family of podcasts, check out behind the We're covering everything this off season, you know, training camp, all this stuff's coming up. We're going to be on it. We're going to be covering all of it. Uh, so make sure you're there with us. As I say every week, have a great week. Thank you for being on, coming, thank you for coming, watching the show. Uh, thank you for listening. Have a great week. And as always, let's go, Steve. Time to
2: stop and
0: check it out.